0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh, Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly
1: Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish Oh yes, delivery, Gendouzi's header And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta, outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta He's playing again And goal back, Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
2: Coming up in Le Beaujeu, Mbappé downs Monaco as PSG continue their march towards the title. Marseille are up to second thanks to Bomba Dieng's brilliance in Strasbourg and Rennes' defeat at home to Nice. Savanier and Montpellier are too good for Brest. Nantes defeat Lens in a thriller at La Bourgeois and Lille and Lyon cancel each other out in northern France. Welcome along to the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. A bumper edition coming up for you today as we hear from a former World Cup winner in Frank Leboeuf and perhaps perhaps a future World Cup winner in Angers' teen sensation Mohamed Ali Cho. I'm uh, delighted to welcome alongside me today Tom Williams, Canal Plus pundit and uh, French football expert. How are you, Tom? Very well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Uh, Another exciting weekend uh, in France. Can't wait to get stuck into the chat. I know Andy Scott who's with me today um hasn't had much sleep because he's been he's been so busy commentating Lee on and reporting on on League. How are you doing
1: Andy? I'm not bad mate. It's, it's the same every week isn't it? I always come on this when I'm a bit sleep deprived, but it's
3: uh, it's a pleasure
1: to be here as always.
3: I sta- I stayed yeah, with but, uh, Andy, Andy I, are- say, I stayed with Andy recently and he doesn't sleep. He just walks around the house <laughs> in the middle of the night. So I I don't think that's that can be that can be blamed on his on his working <laughs> uh his working routine at all. <laughs> oh dear.
2: He's one of those annoying people who just doesn't really need much sleep. He certainly looks no. like he, he he hasn't slept much uh, this morning, but um let's get stuck into the action. Um and we're going to start in in Alsace. Uh the game that I was really looking forward to this weekend was Strasbourg against Marseille. Strasbourg at home this season have uh, scored more or before this weekend had scored more goals than any other team at home in Europe's top five leagues Uh, they've been absolutely sensational in recent weeks and also I got warmed up for the game by uh, interviewing Frank Leboeuf who um, many of you uh, will know of course but he's a former Strasbourg and Marseille defender so he was particularly interested in this contest and uh, uh, I asked him about it the Strasbourg Marseille game which was taking place we had a little chat before here's what he had to say Strasbourg versus Marseille. Ah. Le Buffico. The Frank Le Buffico, <laughs> as it's well known internationally.
4: Of
5: Frank, who are you going for in this game this afternoon? Who do you want to win? Uh, that's not a question. It's be choosing between your mother and your father, yeah. you know? <laughs> Would you do that? No. Who do you think will win? Uh, that's another odd out question really because I I think I think Marseille is doing great this season. Um, It's it's completely different. I mean, Strasbourg always been named the little Marseille. It's something that I fought against because it's completely different. That's completely craziness in Marseille. That's fantastic, the atmosphere of the Stade Velodrome when it's full, when it's big game. I mean, it's unbearable for the opponents. But we are comparing a a big machine, a former European champion, against a family club again. and Marseille is going back to, uh, to something interesting. Uh, the way they play with the young players, the philosophy of the game, it's interesting. I see Payet going, coming back to his best, really amazing. And uh, for me, what he does is absolutely fantastic. But also the young players, the others, you know, and, 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 and the way it works. Um, let's say that for Strasbourg, and because they play at home, uh, uh, I wish them to win. I want, I want Strasbourg to win because it will settle Strasbourg to something very interesting for the rest of the season. Psychologically, and for the media, and for everybody, say, Whoa, Strasbourg, they can't stop winning. They won 3 0 in Nice. They, they win against Marseille. Ah, they can finish well.
2: It was great to hear from uh, Frank Le He has uh, such enthusiasm for the, for the game. Um, lovely man and I love the fact that he calls this fixture the Leberfico I think that's uh, that's absolutely fantastic um, Tom obviously somebody who has uh, who has left uh, a mark on the French game and also the English game after his, his time at Chelsea
3: Yeah uh, Frank Leberf fondly remembered by Chelsea fans uh, for the years he spent at, at Stamford Bridge um, quite, a, quite a prolific spell as well if I recall correctly I th- seem, to, seem to recall that he was on penalties for a while um, my most recent Frank Leberf memory is of having been at the cinema watching uh, The Theory of Everything, the, the Stephen Hawking biopic. And Frank LeBeuf pops up playing a doctor. And it was so incongruous because I, I had no idea he was in the film. And he comes on, he comes on, like, you know, it comes into the scene. And I'm thinking, God, that guy looks a heck of a lot like Frank LeBeuf. That that must, this guy must be the best Frank LeBeuf lookalike in the film industry. And then the penny dropped that it actually was Frank LeBeuf. But yeah, there you go. A man it's, of many It's talents.
1: funny, Tom, you say that because um, at, at the weekend I was uh, out with my wife having a, a, a coffee on a, a terrace because it was it was relatively mild. And um, we were sitting there and and this lady walks past and um, and we thought, hold on, we recognize her. And she's a famous actress, um, certainly famous in France, possibly not famous outside of France. Her name is Anaïs de Moustier. And I established... Um, she obviously lives in, in, in the area. She's walking around and, and, and whatnot. And there she is and, and walks past us and sort of catches us in the eye. And, and we recognize her. And, and, it, and it just reminds me there of, of the time that I saw Franck Lebeuf, um walking along the street in the Marais in Paris with a, a cigarette in his hand. And, of course, Frank LeBeuf, as, as you say, is also something of a, a, a film star. Maybe not a film star, but he's, he has appeared in quite a few things, hasn't he? So um, that, was, that was another occasion when I walked past a, a famous figure in the streets in Paris good stuff Andy good stuff well, he,
2: I tell you what he's a, he's a lovely guy he's very sort of available and happy to, well available I don't know but wh- when you do get him he's happy to chat about absolutely everything and uh, he was brilliant talking about his time at, at Strasbourg and, and Marseille but let's, uh, let's bring us back to the present um, because it was the Le Buffico, and I had the pleasure of commentating after my chat with Frank Le Buff. and uh, here's what happened at the Stade de la Menault. now Dien capitalises on Perrin's mistake Payet inviting Enrique forward. Two in the middle. Luis Enrique back towards Payet. Oh! The volley from Bombardier. It's an outstanding goal for Marseille. Acrobatics from Bombardier. And however, oh in front. Well, it looked like Dimitri Payet was going to pull the trigger, but the ball didn't reach Payet. Because Bombardier got there first, and what a strike from the 21-year-old! Do you The Croat is up from the back as Payet delivers. On oh, at the near post. It's been squeezed home by Challetasar, and that should be the victory for Marseille. They have defended stoutly. They've kept Strasbourg at arm's length and they have been the more clinical of the two teams tonight. Marseille will be heading up to second place, it seems. Well, uh, a great win for Marseille, but I have to say, after all the anticipation and the excitement for this one, I really thought Strasbourg were going to sort of give it a real go, tear into into Marseille. And the first half in particular was really strange. Um, Marseille basically um, passed the ball about quite often at, at the back. Strasbourg sort of stood off them. It was, I think I said in the commentary, a bit like a game of chess, and it, it wasn't easy easy to commentate. Fortunately, it did get better in the second half. Um, there was much more intensity, and uh, Bombardien's goal, one of the goals of the season, absolutely sensational strike. The cross um, came over from the right from, uh, from Luis Enrique, and it was quite funny, actually, because... Uh, you heard me in the commentary. You were, you were waiting for Payet because he was lining it up. Payet. He, he was watching the ball coming towards him. You're thinking this is a good one for Payet, and then Bombardier sort of just at the last minute hooks his uh, his boot in front of Payet, and you think, oh no, he's messed it up. But he hasn't. He's hit it so sweetly, and um, yeah, a, a sensational goal. Chileta are getting getting the second, and Marseille, uh, Andy. It's it's kind of like. In keeping, really, with the Marseille that we've seen in recent weeks, we we thought Marseille were going to be this gung-ho, uh, attacking, exciting team. And they were for the first two months of the season. But it, but it, it, it's all changed. They're getting results. They're not conceding goals. But it's not always fun to watch.
1: No, exactly. I mean, I, I covered Marseille's game against uh, Brest last weekend. And and coming into that one, they'd, they'd only let in one goal in the previous six matches. So this is something that goes back to sort of early October, late September, actually. Um, and, and when they lost at home against Lens uh, by three goals to two and after that game, Jorge Sampaoli obviously decided he had to change something to make them a little bit more um, pragmatic. In in his approach, he had to be more pragmatic and, and and focus on not conceding goals. And rather than being this this incredible team to watch, going from end to end, which was great entertainment, but not always getting in the results they wanted. And, and in general, I mean, it's not the results have not actually been brilliant. They've drawn quite a lot of games. Um, And last weekend, obviously, they were beaten at home by Brest. But obviously, it worked here perfectly. I mean, Strasbourg have been excellent in the last um, few games. They actually, coming into the weekend, I think I'm right in saying, had the the best um, attacking record in the league behind Paris Saint-Germain. Again, I covered them last weekend against Nice, and they were very impressive in winning that game 3-0. They've got three very effective strikers, three strikers who don't always start together. But nonetheless, Habib Diallo, uh, Ajork, and Kevin Gamero all doing very well this season. So from Marseille to um, a null, their threat is um, very significant, and um, you know it's a very, very impressive result for them to go there and get a 2 0 victory, and uh, back up to second place in the table. Of course, thanks to other results which we'll talk about later. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's paying off just now for San Pauli. They're not conceding goals, I and mean, of course when you have Dimitri Payet um, on the field and a player like Bombardier scoring a goal like that. You're always liable to get results. What's
2: intriguing, Tom, is that Arcadia's Milik was was again on the bench. Sam Pauli has been uh, leaving him out of the league and games in in recent weeks, playing two young players, Bomber Dyang and uh, and Luis Enrique. I think Andy, you know what he says about the defence. We need to sort of highlight the fact that yeah, Chaleta Saar, Saliba, and Luán Pérez were were excellent. They had Camera protecting them just just in front. No Gendouzi, where well, he came on for the last 15 minutes, but. Uh, I think they missed his 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 energy in the midfield but um it's almost a problem for Sam Pauli Tom this uh, this Milik situation the fact that he doesn't quite seem to think that he can fit in this you
3: know very very good striker into his team. Yeah, it's it's uh, bemusing isn't it because if you look at Marseille's current problems um the football uh, as Andy says uh, hasn't been particularly spectacular um but they have Managed to really firm things up defensively, um, and if you were trying to turn um, uh, a, a team that is that is very solid defensively um, into one that that scores more goals and and wins its games more comfortably, you couldn't you couldn't surely ask for better than to have a, a striker like Arkadiusz Milik in your in your squad, um, uh, you know, particularly given. A very successful start to life uh, that, that he made uh, at Marseille last season, um, but Sampoli obviously doesn't really fancy him, uh, and on you know on the occasions we've seen him this season, he hasn't looked as sharp as he did in his in his first his first weeks and months as a, as a Marseille player, and as a consequence, you know we see Dimitri Payet playing in his false nine role, which which is clearly not his his best position, but which is a position that that seems to work for, for Marseille at the moment, and. You, you you, tend to think that at some point, Sampaoli is going to find a way uh, to fit Milik into this team uh, and things are all going to slot into place. But clearly, for the time being, um, you know, he, he doesn't see any, any need to put him in the team. And I guess you could say that as long as Marseille are picking up results, as they are currently, um, you know, that they don't really need to change things.
2: Andy, uh, glass half full or, or half empty, if you're a Marseille fan, you know, you're you're second. You got a game in hand. You're at home against Rouse uh, before Christmas. Good chance to get to get three points there. But uh, you know, it's not the it's not the football that we were expecting.
1: Um, no, it's not. I, I suppose the, the 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 Milik question. It's it's a little bit like when I hear people talking about the, the the big clubs in England. You know, looking for strikers like Chelsea not able to fit Romelu Lukaku into the team, and they seems to be more effective without him. And, and Manchester City doing just fine without. Um, without the Harry Kane that they wanted in the summer, in a way, Marseille have got a, a similar um, issue here with with Milik. Of course, um, M- Milik is um, is is paying the price, I suppose, for the way that Sampaoli wants to to set his team up at the moment, and and it's working for Marseille. I mean, in terms of in terms of the way things are looking for them, well, yeah. I mean, I think second place. Let's be honest. Is, it's as good as the Marseille fans could hope for this season. They're currently in that position. I mean, the game at hand is is away to Lyon, so that's not going to be easy for them. They are obviously a long way behind Paris Saint Germain. The gap is thirteen points, but the most important thing for them is to be in front of the um, the chasing pack. And you know, it's very tight behind them, but they're in a strong position. I think, I think, um, I think it's glass half full at the moment. I mean, you know, they're not conceding goals. They're they're not losing games. They look pretty solid and they have Dimitri Payet who is one of the three or four most entertaining players in the league so I would say glass just a bit more than half full. Well you're listening to Andy
2: Scott on Le Bourgeois the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. Thank you as ever for, for tuning in. If you do want to get involved send us an email league1podcast at uh, gmail.com uh, One of the reasons Marseille are up to second is because let's face it nobody at the moment can string victories together. Wren uh, Seemed to be in 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 great form and we were saying okay their defeat against uh, Lille that was uh, that was a blip but they've now lost uh, two in a row at home they've lost two of their last three because uh, Rennes were defeated 2-1 by Nice Kasper Dolberg getting a penalty Yusuf Atal continuing his little uh, renaissance he had a he had a good game scored the second goal Benjamin Bourigeaud uh, pulled one back but but Rennes defeated they they drop in the standings to third, they're a point behind Marseille. Uh, nice back up to fourth, a really, uh, really important victory for them. Uh, we're going to focus our attentions elsewhere, just uh, just for a moment. We're going to go to Angers, who had a, a disappointing result at the weekend. They were beaten 1-0 at home by Clermont. Uh, they've been having a, a good season uh, up until that, that defeat. They're still in the top half of the standings under Gérald Batic. One of the features of this season has been their uh, pacey young attackers. And in particular, uh, the 17-year-old Mohamed Ali Cho, who has been a regular starter this season. Um, he's got two goals, only two goals, but he's been involved in a, a lot of Angers' best attacking play. Um, he's a really, really exciting player. Before we talk about him a bit more, we're going to hear from Mohamed Ali Cho, who sat down for uh, for a chat with our friend uh, Armel Tangi and they discussed Cho's very interesting beginnings as a footballer um, he grew up in, uh, in London initially and then moved across to Paris uh, joined the PSG Academy moved back to England to play for Everton's youth teams um, represented England at, at youth level has then moved back to France he's now at Angers of course he's playing for the France under 21s already at the age of 17 and um, this is what he had to say about, uh, about his youth football with Armel Tanguy
0: so obviously after after London, where you grew up, it's, it all started for you here at, at Paris Saint-Germain. I I, th- I think I saw you playing a lot of uh, futsal for them, right?
4: Yeah, 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 futsal, yeah. Well, when, when I played for PSG, we all used to go on tours playing futsal, and there was really a lot of tours, and we used to train there as well, so yeah, I got pretty used to it.
0: And in, in London, when you were playing, was it kind of... What was it, cage football? Was it eleven aside?
4: Um, it wasn't really eleven aside, it was pretty much five or six aside. So yeah, it was small spaces as well, same as um, PSG football.
0: And then obviously you went back to the UK and played with, with Everton. Yeah. And I imagine there you developed like a physicality to your yeah, game.
4: Definitely, 'cause when I when I went and signed for Everton, that's where I started playing eleven aside football. So I had to be ready physically. And the English game was a uh, different to the French game, so I had to adapt as well, so yeah, it was a pretty good le- learning curve for me.
0: So do you reckon playing partly in Paris, partly in London, partly in Northern England is <laughs> it's, it's strong, it's yeah. given you a sort of like a, a broad mindset about how to play football?
4: Definitely, definitely. It's like, as I, c- I can see, it's like a sort of experience for me, so I'm m- more of a complete player because I know different aspects of the game on different levels and different areas, so yeah, it helps me adapt.
0: Broad form of education and speaking of education, I, I hear you were doing your A levels online from France. Yeah, I'm right? doing.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing online A levels. I'm working from home, so homeschooling, and I'm finishing my A levels this this year. Yeah. How's that going? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But my mum's onto me, so I can't let I can't let it off.
2: So great to hear from Mohamed Ali Cho, and good luck to him. Can't be easy uh, being a league on footballer and doing your, your A-levels um, uh, from home. But yeah, he mentioned his mum and I think his mum is going to absolutely make sure that he, he gets through his his A-levels. Andy and, and Tom, I'll start with you. Andy, you've seen a bit of Mohamed Ali Cho this this season. How exciting a player is he? I should mention, by the way, he was, named, he was nominated in the top 40 for the Golden Boy Award, the youngest player to be nominated. So, you know, he's a guy, it seems, with a huge future.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's... It- it's amazing that he's still only seventeen, and he's going to be eighteen in January. I mean, I I, I saw him, um, I saw Angers when they came to the Parc des Princes uh, in October, and um, they, as a team, played well in that game. Uh, they were unlucky to lose. Was it two one? I, I forget now. I think Paris Saint Germain scored a late goal, and, and Angers had gone in front. And um, Cho was part of, uh, you know, quite an exciting attack, really, because there's Sofiane Boufal and, and Angelo Fulgini in that team as well. On the wing is um, obviously he's quick, he's full of enthusiasm, he's fresh, and um, he is a kid with a big future. And and um, you know it, it just it just highlights obviously what we have in in France, which is so many um, really exciting young players. I mean, um, one of one of the things I do my um, uh, day job, if you like, uh, once a week, I sort of pick out a player to watch this weekend. Uh, in France, and, and there are just so many players every week. You know, there's just so many possibilities of guys that you can pick out, players to look out for both now and in the future. Mohamed Ali chose is a good example of that. Um, the question is, how long is he going to stay at Angers? Because, of course, Angers are a club who have brought through plenty of other players in, in recent years, guys like Jeffrey and Adelaide, um, one example, who have then moved on to, to, to bigger clubs. Of course, they don't always necessarily find it easy when they go elsewhere. I think Angers are a very well-run club. Um despite one or two off field issues, which we won't go into just now, but they they've 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 done very well, of course, establishing themselves in Liga in the last few years. They're they're a smallish club. It must be a good atmosphere in which to work, a good environment in which to develop as a younger player, and, and he clearly is is benefiting from that. And um they are a fun team to watch, despite the results at the weekend. And he is, yeah, he's he's certainly going to be um a a really exciting player to follow in the years ahead. Andy, um,
2: we're going to get you to pick out a a one to watch. We're going to pick out our our teenage talent uh, other than Mohamed Ali Cho to to look out for. Tom, you're you're, you're based in the UK uh, these days, having lived in France for for quite some time. Uh, Mohamed Ali Cho, he he joined Everton at the age of 11, spent several years there, as I mentioned, was playing for England at a youth level. Is this one that England might sort of regret because he seems to have slipped through the net now playing for for France at under-21 level?
3: yeah potentially I mean I think he's a player who's on people's radars in England um obviously he's got he's got a great name first of all uh, that, uh, uh, that that already kind of uh, evokes uh, a certain sense of uh, of sporting grandeur um, and you know as Andy says, I mean it's so rare to see a seventeen year old um you know breaking through in this way playing week in week out. Uh, and I think the fact that he has this this very intriguing Sort of dual nationality background means that uh, he is he is someone who who people have um, who people have been paying attention to in England, as you say, has played for England uh, at under sixteen level, um, but now appears to be uh, appears to have um, uh, uh, I mean for the time being at least to have decided to, to represent France, um, and you know I, I think I think another example of of the fact that um, you know players who are playing in England are increasingly looking to the continent for, you know, opportunities, uh, you know, be that Germany, be that France. Um, and, you know, clearly he was, you know, he was on Everton's books for a few years, but decided that he'd be better served, uh, moving across the channel. Um, and so far it seems to be working out pretty well for him.
2: Yeah. It's interesting when you hear him, he sounds English doing, doing his A-levels, but, uh, but yeah, more likely to be to be playing for Les Bleus. Um, we talked about young talents to to look out for at the beginning of the season. Uh, Robbie Thompson, um, who is who, who is listening in and says hi to everybody, um, enjoying the sun in Australia. He he was keen for us to mention that at the start of the season he picked out Ellie Y the uh, Montpellier striker for his one to watch. And uh, yeah, the reason Robbie says that is because Ellie is scoring goals at the moment, and he was on target in Montpellier's four nil victory over Brest. Um, but Andy. Can you, uh, can you give us a name, a teenager to look out for in Ligue 1 at the moment?
1: Well, um, a teenager, well, it, 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 there's, there's, two, there's two players who come to mind um, just from looking at the, 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 the guys who were scoring goals at the weekend. One in a game that I covered, um, El Bilal Touré of Reims, who is actually just turned 20. Um, young kid from, born in the Ivory Coast, but, but moved to Mali and uh, plays for them at international level. And he, um, I think he actually tried to force a move away from Rance in the summer. Um, idea was their star player, another player who Robbie once picked up um, as a player coming through, of course. And idea did very well last season, got a big money move to Spain. And El Bilal Toure decided that he wanted some of that, but now he's um, working his way back into the Rance team and scored his first goal of the season at the weekend. Nearly scored another goal with an outrageous sort of back heel that nearly kind of looped over the goalkeeper and in. Uh, and I think he could be an interesting player to watch and 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 another one is uh, who is a teenager is pat Matarsar at mess now he scored at the weekend he is only nineteen he has he's he's another one who's come from senegal so many players come from senegal to, have you, to andy mess. have you
2: have you have have you seen his goal by the way uh
1: Yes I have. Cuz you know it, of often
2: course, of course. often Ian Holyman says I could have scored that. <laughs> this is one that Ian Holyman could have scored because <laughs> the defender just kicked it into him and it went in. Well yeah, but I
1: mean, you know, okay, but but it was his, still his goal. Um you've got to be there. But but he but the point point about him of course is that he has already been picked up by um by a big bigger club because he's um, he's been signed by Tottenham Hotspur. Um and uh, I know Matt, you're an Arsenal fan, and and you know you you squinting there. The, no, you're the allowed, you're allowed. A big, a, but you said bigger, big
2: bigger club, bigger, not big <laughs>
1: club. That's yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and and yeah, I mean he's he's on his way there. I think at the end of the season, he's already signed a six year deal for them, and and I think he's going to be obviously another player to, to follow. Whether or not he'll be able to, this is another another issue for another day. But you know these guys moving to um to 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 bigger clubs when they're so young is, is something which I'm not particularly comfortable with because I think it would be good if they stayed put and gave these clubs um, a little bit more and developed more where they were. But nonetheless, obviously, Mess couldn't turn down the money. So Pat Matarsar is another one to, to follow.
3: OK, Tom, uh, teenager? Uh, I'm going to pick out Malo Gusto, 18-year-old uh, uh, right-back uh, at Lyon, um, who's uh, had a decent amount of game time this season. Uh, very energetic, very attacking, modern uh, fullback um, has had some really eye-catching performances. Has also committed a few eye-catching blunders, but then you would expect that given his age. Um, and he's been filling in for, for Leo Dubois of late, uh, the Lyon captain, who's who's been injured. Um, but I think if you look at the fact that that Lyon have, have shifted to this this sort of 3-4-3 system, that could really play into Gusto's hands because he's much more of a wing-back than, than Leo Dubois. Um So that might, that might present him with even more opportunities to pick up game time between now and the end of the season. And then looking beyond that, uh, and not to get ahead of things too much, but you look at the France national team at the moment, the one area where they're really lacking, and they are spoilt for choice in every other position on the pitch, is a right-back. And Didier Deschamps has also recently pivoted to a back three system with wing-backs. So might be an outside shot uh, for the World Cup, Malagusto, but I think in the years to come, if, if that's going to be a, a system that, that France stick to, and I think we all know it's a system that, that suits them very well um, in that it enables uh, Antoine Griezmann and Karim Benzema and Kylian Mbappe all to play in their preferred positions. Malagusta has got just the sort of profile that you want uh, for someone who can, you know, sort of animate, anime the the, the right hand sides uh, of the pitch. But certainly, he's been doing it for, for Leon of late, and he's been uh, been doing it very well.
2: What about Jonathan Close? I've been bigging, I've been bigging him. And by the way, if Jonathan Close, the Lost right wing back, gets a a move to England this summer, it's because Frank LeBeuf yesterday he was giving a an interview to an English newspaper and that they asked him for one talent to look out for and he was hilarious. He started talking about Jonathan Close and honestly, it sounded like he was talking about Cafu. He was like, this guy, he's unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, so if, if Jonathan Close gets a move to Chelsea, it might be something to do with, with Frank Lampard. Um, But I, lo- I love uh, Malo Gusto as well. I'm going to go for Hugo Eketike. I'm a bit surprised Andy didn't go for ekitike the, the the rounds player, because Andy was commentating. Maybe yeah. he had a, a quiet game no, against Santetti. Antonio. No, he didn't.
1: He didn't. He was actually. I mean, he was actually the. Um, I know he didn't score. You're right, but he but he he probably was the best player. I mean, he he won the penalty for the first goal and he set up the second goal. And he he does look. I mean, fair enough. They I, I just had a, a blank there. Really, probably should have picked out to go because he he. I was thinking during the He's game, got this game, seven goals. I, yeah.
2: I I think yeah. I think he's a top-scoring teenager in 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 Europe, in Europe's top top five leagues. And some of his goals, there's there's a bit of canoe about him. A little bit, you know, he's got a bit of a sort of gangly uh, look to him, but incredible ball control. Uh, the goal he scored later on, the winner against Lyon, where he just sort of did a little drag back to take it past the, the defender and stroked it in. Um, yeah, another another Reims talent to uh, to to look out for. Let's um, let's get back to the action. Um, quick reminder that you are listening to Le Bourgeois and if you do uh, want to rate us we would be very grateful um, give us a nice rating if you want uh, on any podcast platform Apple Spotify Deezer we are there you can find us um, we're going to go to the Parc des Princes, Paris Saint Germain Monaco it was the headline game uh, of the weekend Armel Tanguy was the man fortunate enough to be at the Parc des Princes,
0: Monaco it's the seventh penalty that they've uh, given away this season Will Nubel be the hero here? It's Mbappe who slots it away. And Paris Saint-Germain take the lead once again, Mbappe, on the score sheet against his former club. And that's poor from Fafana. It's Lionel Messi running at the back line. Lionel Messi unselfish with Kylian Mbappe. And that's two for Paris. He doesn't miss from there, Kylian Mbappe. once again that duo Messi and Mbappe combining but you have to feel for Yusuf Fafana who's had a very good first half up until that lapse and it's a lapse that may well prove costly Paris Saint-Germain two goals clear now thanks to Kylian Mbappe's ninth of the season how well taken was that
2: so, Tom, Paris Saint-Germain uh, securing another victory. And, and this time, they didn't have to come from behind. Although, if you look at the first few minutes, um, Sophie Diop with that shot against the post, it could have been a different story. But, you know, ultimately, PSG, a bit more, bit more streetwise and a bit more quality in, in attack than Monaco.
3: Yeah, uh, and that has been the story on, on so many occasions this season with PSG. It was, once again, uh, far from a vintage performance. Only two shots on target, um, but that was enough for, to give them the victory. Uh, Kylian Mbappe digging them out of a hole once again. Uh, you know, Lionel Messi disappointing, albeit you know chipping in with with an assist from Mbappe's second goal. But you know, this is this is very much the um, you know the the PSG approach uh, this season. There was an interesting piece in Keep this morning looking at the role of, of the PSG fullbacks and, and and when they brought in. Uh, Atraf, Atraf Hakimi and Anuna Mendes over the over the summer. I think we were all expecting that we'd see both of them flying forward at every opportunity, and that's certainly what we saw from Hakimi uh, in the opening weeks of the season. And we know that's his natural game. I mean, one of the most exciting fullbacks in, in world football when he's on his game, but he's he's not been at his best of late. Um, and and in this this piece in the keep, they were sort of pointing out that that both he and uh, Nuno Mendes or, or Juan Bernat, whoever's playing the left-hand side, appear to have been told actually to rein it in uh, on the attacking side. So we're seeing much less thrust from PSG's fullbacks to consequence. And it just reinforces this impression you have that the other eight players um, in, in the PSG starting eleven, whoever they may be, their only real purpose is to provide a platform for the, for the front three, um, which, when everyone's fit, is, is the, is the MNM, uh, which in Neymar's absence is, is, is Messi, Mbappe and, and Di Maria. Um, and, and so you end up with this paradox, which is that PSG never play particularly good football. They don't really get you out of your seat in terms of their collective play, um, but they have so much quality in that front line that it has given them a 13-point lead um in 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 league and with with one game to go before the winter break um and you know they if if you look at their form i mean you know purely in terms of the numbers and i think this is one of the things that that perhaps uh, sort of confuses people who um who who don't follow league on all that closely i mean you know psg look like they're absolutely flying if you only look at their results it's only you know when you actually watch them you realize that 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 all is all is not all is not well, that they aren't firing on all cylinders. But when you've got quality in your team, um, uh, in, in the form of players like Mbappe, in the form that he's in at the moment, you get away with it. I think, um, I think the game last night, it, it
1: would have been more interesting had had PSG not got that second goal right on half time. And that was really unfortunate because, I mean, it was a great finish by, by Kylian Mbappe um, for his 100th league 1 goal in the PSG shirt, which is not a bad landmark to reach when you're not even 23. Be 23 next week, um, but it was really unfortunate for Monaco because it was just a terrible ball given away in midfield by Yusuf Fofana, um, and that killed the game. It just wasn't it wasn't really a contest in the second half at all. Um, I thought Monaco were actually the better team in the first half last night. I thought they, um, I mean, it, it does kind of, you know, what Tom's saying. I mean, obviously PSG got the relatively early goal from the penalty. Um, and that allowed them to to focus on, you know, Mon- Monaco could have the possession and PSG could try and hit them on the break. And of course, that is a perfectly legitimate strategy. Um, clearly, when you have Mbappe, it makes sense to try and play on the counter-attack. I mean, Mbappe, I mean, you know, you guys have been in the stadium when Mbappe is, is playing when he's on the ball. It's it's hard to describe to people who've not been in the stadium with, and, and seen Mbappe in the flesh, but there is nothing like it the pace of that guy, the speed that he has. There was a couple of occasions last night when and it happened in the Champions League game in, in the week as well, when he gets the ball and he just touches it quickly away from the defender and he just sets off on a sprint. And it doesn't always, of course, result in anything, but the lift that that gives the stadium at that moment, the, 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 the crowd are just like, wow. You know, you can, you can feel them all sort of breathing in and, and getting ready to get up off the seats because they see Mbappe setting off. And it is amazing to watch the speed that he's got. And, and that, of course, is fabulous to see. But Messi, um, I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, I love Lionel Messi. I had I was lucky enough to, 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 to witness his debut in the stadium to see the first goal he scored for Barcelona and to see the first goal he scored uh, for PSG as well. I've, I've seen, of course, so much of Messi throughout his career. And obviously, we all love Messi. But the difference between Messi and Mbappe is just so striking. I mean, M- M- Messi just walks practically the whole game, something he's done in the majority of his career. But he doesn't have that electric burst of pace anymore, which Mbappe clearly does. Um, so it makes sense for PSG to to build their team and their strategy around the pace of Mbappe and this ability to to transition from defence to attack quickly because they can do so much damage. But it doesn't always, you know, as as you say, Tom, it doesn't always make for, um, you're left with this feeling there should be something more, and, and there just isn't with PSG. So, you know, the, yeah, they're so far clear at the top of the table, but every single game I watch them in, I do wonder how the opposition... Don't come away with something. And, and, you know, that was even the case last night, despite the fact Monaco were finished by halftime. Yeah, Monaco
2: played some good football, but I, I've been disappointed. They were my tip for the title and uh, they are still in eighth position. I'm not tipping them for the title anymore, by the way. Um, just just seven <laughs> victories from, from their 18 games. You can't change, Matt. Once, <laughs>
1: once you pick them, you have to stick with
2: them. I tell you what, it's going to be an incredible, they did have an incredible second half to last season, but I think even with that, even if they win every game from now, I think they're, they're, they're leaving it a bit too late. Um, and much like Monaco, Lille and Lyon can't get going. And uh, perhaps we shouldn't be that surprised at this game. Another game we were really looking forward to on, on, on Sunday didn't really live up to the hype. Lille, nil, Lyon, nil, Uh Lille, Still stuck in mid-table, in 11th. Leon down to 13th, which is uh, quite remarkable. And uh, Peter Boss really does need to win that that last game before the winter break, otherwise, you know, it's going to be a nervy Christmas in the Boss household. But um, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to our Deja Who uh, section now. The opportunity for you, the listeners, to to get involved as you uh, so often do, and uh, many of you got last week's. Uh, Deja Hu the answer was uh, Fabrice Fiorez Um, people who have only been listening to or following Ligue 1 in recent years may not know Fabrice Fiorez but he was something of a pantomime villain the guy who played for PSG and and, and for Marseille Um, the clue was as a youngster I debuted alongside Ludovic Julie before moving to make a name for myself with a young Floron Malouda my career took a controversial turn when I dived into a new adventure in the capital And after winning my one and only piece of silverware in France on a teary night at the Stade de France, I switched allegiances once more, only to find that crossing the Great Divide was not as easy as it seemed. I made one unhappy return to the park before getting my revenge. Well done to Guillaume Argo, or Guillaume Arjo, who uh, wrote in from uh, Windy Dublin. First time emailer. Congratulations, Guillaume. Good to have you on board. Michel Mass got it right. Gabriel Haganeda, um... Got it right, but admits that he cheated. He used transfer marked to um to help him. Um, Romuald, Frenchy from Evra, got it right, and John Crossan got it wrong. He said Didier Drogba, and then he says he got tired of of looking. Which, you know, it's disappointing, John, because yeah, you you've, you usually get them right. Um, but I understand it's cold and uh, everybody's a bit you know a bit tired at the moment. And uh, yeah, sometimes I get tired with 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 deja who, but not this week. We've got a cracker. If you think you know the answer, do email us, uh, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag on Twitter, Deja who? Here we go. Famous hairdos have always been a feature of footballers from my homeland. But when I arrived in France with a big reputation, it was my peachy fashion sense that raised eyebrows. I was the jewel in the crown of a princely revolution. But in my first season, it was a teacher from Chasselet, that cut short my dreams of world domination. After spells in red and blue overseas, I made an all-conquering return to Ligue 1, thanks in part to my partnership with the new star of French football. Before leaving France in 2019, I even fulfilled my dream of captaining my country and scoring at a World Cup, even if it was my younger, former teammate that shone brightest of all. Well, tell you what, since Robbie Thompson has taken over the clues, they are they're longer um, but, uh, but they're just as tricky so if you think you know the answer do get in touch league1podcast.gmail.com or using the hashtag DejaHoo on Twitter uh, our final feature game um, is featuring uh, Nantes and Lens Nantes have been uh, among some of the best games in Ligue 1 this season and Friday night was, uh, was no different Andy Scott commentated from La Bourgeois.
1: Here comes Fofana driving forward, like he's done so often this season. Ball driven in from the left and it's turned away by Lafont. straight into the path of Pereira da Costa, who rams it into the net. And L'Anse are in front here, the away team take the lead. Still not down to ten men, but lost play on. Kelly Mwendo looking to go round the goalkeeper, he tucks it into the net. And the Nantes players are furious that lost didn't stop there to put the ball out for treatment, but the reality is that they themselves carried on initially when uh, Girotto was on the ground. Stephanie Frappa will have to deal with the anger of the home players here. But Arnold Kelly Mwendo has done nothing wrong. He has played to the referee's whistle, which didn't come. Chirivella again. And it comes to Ludovic Blas. It's well struck and it's beaten Fariñas with the aid of a deflection. Not get the goal back. Are well, you suspected? If anybody was going to get them back into this game, then it would be Ludovic Blas. Ludovic Blas looking to release gerbils. Just wonder about his position there, if he was offside or not. But he's got it across the face of goal. It's been turned in by Rondal Kulamwani. There's a look across towards the assistant referee to see if the flag comes up. It doesn't. And Nolte back on level terms. What a start to the second half for them. The fans are really pushing their team forward now. Simon skips into the penalty box. Great slaloming run from Moses Simon and a sensational goal in the 90th minute from the Nigerian to win the game for Nolte. What an amazing comeback.
2: Well, Andy, what a, what a comeback. I have to say, I saw at half-time, Lance were 2-0 were up and uh, I decided to, to go to bed. Uh, and I was pretty surprised in the morning when I saw that, uh, that Nantes had, had done it. Was it a deserved win for Nantes? Just as well. I didn't go, go to
1: bed. Um, yeah, it was... It was. Um, it, listen, it was It was a, a really fun game in the end. I, I suppose, was it deserved for Nantes? Well, yeah, it probably was. I mean, on, on the balance of play, they I suppose they had the more... Um, you know, look at the statistics, they had the more attempts on goal, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was kind of conditioned by the way in which the start of the game went because Lance were 2-0 up inside 15 minutes and then Nantes were chasing the game. I think nobody could have seen at halftime the turnaround that, that was about to happen. Um, it's worth putting it into some context and and that would be that um, I know that you guys obviously raved about Lens last time out. Um, I, I thought their game against Paris Saint-Germain last weekend was was probably the best game of the season so far in France. Absolutely tremendous, brilliant atmosphere up at the Stade Bollaert, and um, maybe that just took it out of Lens because... They got off to that great start, and then they just couldn't keep it going. And um, it is worth pointing out as well; they were missing three really important players: uh, Jonathan Close, the the flying right wing back, who um, who you know you're talking about players coming into the the France setup. You know maybe he is going to be one of them. Um, and also Sheikh Dukure, the youngster in midfield, and Gael Kakuta, the the number ten. All of them were missing due to suspension or injury. So that obviously had an impact on Lens. And then they had their veteran goalkeeper, Jean-Louis Leca, forced off at half time. Um, just as an aside, by the way, I commentated two league on games this weekend, and both of them saw the, the goalkeeper of the away team come off injured at time. The other one was Saint-Étienne on Saturday. And in this case, uh, Jean-Louis Leca um, didn't come back on for the second half, and his replacement, Wilker Farinés, the, the Venezuelan, was beaten three times. And it was a great comeback by Nantes. Obviously, two goals for Rondal Kolomouani, Who's a good um a good young player, uh, born in Bondi, brought up in Bondi like Kylian Mbappe, and just a few weeks older than him. And then the winning goal by Moses Simon in the 90th minute. Well, you'll have heard my excitement on commentary. Um, brilliant goal, and and Moses Simon usually starts for naught. He'd started I think all but one game this season before Friday, but he was left out of the, the starting lineup on this occasion. Uh, brought on as a substitute with 20 minutes to go, looked really lively as soon as he came on, coming in from the left wing. And yeah, if you've not seen that goal, check it out. Fabulous strike, fabulous celebration. Um, obviously, the downside for Nantes is that they will lose him to the Africa Cup of Nations, which starts just the other side of the new year. And that's going to be the case for so many French clubs, of course, losing key players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think on the whole, Nantes deserved the win. I actually, um, in, I mean, Nantes came back up in 2013 and, and people who's, who who know about French football going way back down the years, of course, are familiar with Nantes because they've won the league eight times, they 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 developed the school of playing great football, the Joel Anantes. Um, they've brought through so many great players like Didier Deschamps and Antoine Kumbuare, many others as well. Um and the last few years they've been pretty dreadful. They've often been struggling down towards the bottom of the table, not scoring goals. But I actually think now under Antoine Kumbuare, they are they're they're worth watching. And and I think they, they did really well to pull away from the relegation zone last season. They kept Kolomouani and Ludovic Blas in the summer. They're only in mid-table, but they they do tend to gave us a bit more entertainment now. So they're quite good fun. And, and yeah, it was a great game. I mean, I mean,
3: losses are always fun to watch. So um, it was a really fun Friday night. Yeah, and to, just a bigger one, Andy's point about what a good team non-tar to watch. You look at the quality of that second goal, um, it starts off at, at, with a ball at the feet of Alban Lafont, that the, the non goalkeeper chips it out to the left-hand side. They work it down the left flank and then it culminates in, in Willem Goebbels sliding the ball across and, and Randall Colomwani. Sliding in at the the back post to turn it in, um, and you know, setting the scene for that fantastic uh, 90th minute winner uh, from Moses Simon. Um, And yeah, again, just to echo what Andy was saying, it's great to see Nantes playing that sort of football. It's great to see the bourgeois, uh, you know, uh, full full of fans. Uh, on their feet in the latter stages of, 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 a, of a game, urging their team on because there have been so many problems in, in recent seasons, various relegation scraps, coaches being sacked left, right, and centre, protests against the owners, um, and yeah, uh, you know, a, a really uh, a really enjoyable night from a, from a non perspective on on Friday night, and also because things are so tight uh, down there in. Uh, you know the, the the second half of of the league and table uh, with two wins, Nantes find themselves tenth all of a sudden. Um, and you know we've seen that recently as well with with Brest You can you can be down towards the bottom of the table in in league and, but all it takes is is two or three you know decent results uh, on the bounce, and you can you can turn things around. And, and, and Nantes, uh, you know, particularly having having gone away to to Lorient and, and won in their previous game, look to be um, look to be back on a, a much more positive dynamic.
2: Yeah, the uh, the games we haven't mentioned involve teams uh, at the bottom. Rance getting that 2-0 that victory over Saint-Étienne. And Tom, as you were saying, Rance, they get a couple of wins. They got 22 points now. They're only sort of, what, four points off Strasbourg, who are seventh. So, I mean, you know, everything can change so quickly. Uh, two massive victories at the bottom. Bordeaux winning 2-1 away to Troyes. Uh, Huang Ouijou getting getting the winner there. And Metz beating Lorient 4-1. So Mets move out of the bottom two. Lorient move into the bottom two. Their second bottom, Saint-Etienne bottom. Lorient have lost seven in a row. They were, they were fifth uh, in September, and they are now 19th. And uh, Christophe Pellissier is another one who's going to be having a, a nervy Christmas. No question about that. Uh, we haven't had a coup de gueule. We haven't had a, a rant, so I'm going to do the honours <laughs> now. A few things have been getting under my skin uh, this week, so, so here we go. It's my coup de gueule. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say it's time um, for French football and for French clubs to get a bit more respect. Um, the French teams have been superb in Europe this uh, this season, all six still in the competition. Marseille, the only slight disappointment um, in the Europa League, but they're through to the Europa Conference League. They have picked up more coefficient points than any other team, uh, including the Premier League, more than 15,000 uh, points picked up. And it's not just PSG. It's actually Lille. They're the team that, that that won their Champions League group. And I feel, you know, Andy mentioned that maybe Tottenham aren't my, you know, favourite team, but I think Tottenham showed uh, a slight lack of respect for for Wren. Um, basically, at a really difficult time in in Wren's season, they got they got a lot of big games at the moment, and Wren uh, received this email at lunchtime, I think on Wednesday, saying, "Yeah, yeah, the game's going ahead. We're okay. We've got a few COVID cases, but but we'll be all right." Wren landed. Tottenham announced that the game was off without actually going through UEFA. You know, it's UEFA, obviously, who has to 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 say the game is off. I obviously don't know all the details of what went on, but the rules are that UEFA have these rules. If you've got 13 players and one fit goalkeeper, you play. So honestly, I know UEFA are now looking into this, but I don't see any outcome other than a 3-0 victory uh, for uh, for Rennes on a on a green carpet, as the French say, on tapis vert. <laughs> um, and frankly, 3-0 is probably a better result than, than Tottenham would have got anyway. So I, you know, am, am I being harsh, guys, on, on Tottenham Hotspur?
1: No, no, no! I don't think you are. I think, I think, um, I think this. I think in these circumstances, it's, it's, it's completely baffling that the the game couldn't somehow go ahead, even though probably, let's be honest, calling it off is the right thing to do. But going by the rules, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's only going to be what they deserve. And there are, there are only going to be more cases. I mean, you know, is it, is it the right thing to do? I don't
2: know. They've got these rules in place for a, for, a, for a reason. But anyway, I, you know, I've got that off my chest, and I think. I think Wren's reaction as well, it it comes from perhaps the fact that we feel that we're not taken seriously. I'm talking we as in French clubs and League 1 clubs. And perhaps it was like Tottenham thought, well, actually, yeah, don't worry. But then, you know, you needed to tell Wren before they got on their aeroplane. I mean, yeah. It, it it just didn't seem great to me toms keeping quiet toms keeping counsel on this one, which is probably you know probably probably fair enough. i
3: i will say that i can i can sympathize with both sides in this um i think if you look at it from totten's perspective they've had half their first team squad it sounds like wiped out by covid and obviously that generates a lot of anxiety about people worrying about taking covid home to their families etc there are certain protocols that, that have to be followed and as ever with this sort of thing it's a dynamic situation Players are coming back with positive tests uh, at different times. It's hard to sort of keep tabs uh, uh, on, on, on everything. Um, where I sympathise with Rennes is that obviously Spurs could have could have been a bit more open in their communication. I think the fact that Rennes were allowed to make that trip to, to, to London yeah. for a game that they didn't even need, you know, to play given given their uh, you know position in the group. Uh, yeah, and that they've got they've got the group sewn up. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you can you can understand their frustrations. So yeah, uh, an unfortunate one for both clubs, and I will um, I will say that from my position sitting here on the fence. <laughs> just just uh, in, uh, in interest, anybody who's not actually I mean
1: probably haven't read the statement that Ren issued a really angry statement on um, late on Wednesday night, complaining about this and talking about London fog. That was the the phrase they used to complain about the the lack of um, information they've been provided by Spurs before their their trip over. Maybe, I mean, I think, you know, strictly speaking by the rules, you know, Spurs will get punished for this and, and deservedly so. But, you know, perhaps, who knows, perhaps we've avoided a situation whereby a load of Omicron cases get shipped over to France as a result of this. So, you know, probably in the wider scheme of things, it's probably the right thing.
3: I mean, I must say, as oh, someone, you guys are much too sensible? I was just going to say, as someone who who routinely travels between London and Paris uh, on a at least a weekly basis, this increasing animosity between the between the two countries is is really adding a bit of spice to my sort of day to day life.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Tom, you, d- you you didn't need to wear your replica Wren shirt when you came up, you know, the weekend. <laughs>
3: Listen, that was not that was not a
2: bon voyage for for Ren, but we're gonna we're gonna put that behind us. We're gonna go on a bon voyage. We're gonna look ahead to the uh, round nineteen action. Um, we're going to have a fantastic, thrilling finish to the calendar year on Wednesday, the 22nd of December. No Liga Uber Eats this weekend. It's Coupe de France, but uh, we're back uh, with more action. On the 22nd, time for a bon voyage. So, among the games, they're all kicking off at 9pm local time. Paris Saint-Germain travel to Lorient, uh, Marseille at home to Reims Monaco. Rennes is a is a good one. Nice, Lance is a good one. Um, Andy, uh, what do you fancy
1: Wednesday night? A week on Wednesday. Uh, well, listen, I mean, um, there are you know you mentioned the two really good games down uh, down on the Cote d'Azur. Um, Monaco, Rennes, obviously is is a good one, and I mean, I think it's for me it's going to be Nice, Lance. Um, obviously, all the games are played at the same time, so I wouldn't be able to do a, a double header down there this, on this occasion. But I was looking at the weather forecast actually for the the Cote d'Azur in, in in a week's time, and you know what? It looks really good. It looks like it's going to be quite mild, very sunny, and that is very tempting. As somebody who's who's currently hesitating about the idea of travelling back to the UK for for Christmas because of all the different restrictions in place, do you know what? Maybe I'll just go to Nice go to the game and stay down there and and um I know like Robbie was talking to me about um messaging us and saying you know um to, to sort of think about the the wider cultural uh, implications of taking in a game and all the rest of it where you go in France and 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 all and all of that and and Nice is a city which is obviously anybody who's not been there it's a fabulous place down in the Mediterranean when you come from Paris it's such a nice uh, change of scene the, the first time I went to Nice was actually for the Tour de France um about a decade ago and it was it was an incredible site arriving there on the ferry from Corsica and um it's, it's difficult not to fall in love with Nice to some extent so it's a beautiful place to walk around see the sea um and and catch a game while you're at it and of course eat some of the local cuisine maybe not the best time of year for a salad Nice was but there are plenty of other things <laughs> um that uh the Nice is well known for so uh, yeah go down there catch a game catch a bit of sunshine maybe stay there for Christmas why not good stuff Tom what
2: do you fancy uh wednesday 22nd of december just before christmas
3: i'm going to head down to to bordeaux uh in southwest france uh probably not the best time to visit weather-wise um but it's probably a little bit warmer than it is in, in northern france and in and in, uh, in southern england uh but a beautiful part of the world great food great wine great scenery an absolutely magnificent cathedral um a fantastic tram system as well for any public transport enthusiasts out there i have had some very enjoyable hours <laughs> speeding around uh, Bordeaux uh, on on one of their trams, uh, and it's a city that has a lot of meaning for me in particular. Uh, it was where <laughs> Wales played their first game at Euro twenty sixteen, their first match at a major tournament uh, since the nineteen fifty eight World Cup. And uh, the night before the game, I found myself on uh, on Place de la Victoire uh, in uh, in the centre of, uh, of Bordeaux with. Pretty much everyone I'd ever met in my entire life who followed the Welsh national team. My dad was there, people from school, people I'd met in Paris, um, all sorts of different people, uh, and uh, we uh, we toasted Wales's belated arrival on the international scene uh, late into the night, and then uh, headed up to the Bordeaux stadium the the following evening and and saw Wales beat Slovakia two one, and it was uh, it was a fantastic moment. Uh, and the stadium as well is is beautiful. I mean, you know, there, there are lots of lots of shiny new stadiums in France, thanks to Euro twenty sixteen, there are lots of shiny new stadiums pretty much everywhere. But it, architecturally speaking, I think the Bordeaux stadium is is one of the most striking. Um, so apart from the the slight the the slight schlep that uh, you're required to make to get out there, um, uh, there's lots to recommend a trip to Bordeaux. Uh, and of course, you if you are heading out to you the get stadium, the tram, you get, I was just going to say you get more time on the tram. <laughs> So that is a blessing <laughs> in disguise, if anything.
2: It's funny. Yeah, my my uh, memory of a major tournament in Bordeaux is a bit different. Um, it was back in 1998 and I, I, I'd i been following England, but I didn't have tickets for England's games because they didn't win the groups like in, in, in the knockout stage. So I was following uh, Romania because <laughs> they won the group and I saw Romania-Croatia and then I saw Croatia-Germany in the quarterfinals, which was amazing. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the game in Bordeaux. And um, Sucour and uh, you know what a what a wonderful team that Croatia side was. They beat Germany three 0 And then that evening, again, I'm worried someone's going to go on the internet and prove this wrong. But I think this is right. That was the evening. So I watched England Argentina in um, on Place de la Victoire on a big screen there, and um, and it all went sour. It was my 21st birthday, and uh, some French people came, and there, there was a bit of a, a bit of fighting, and that that's probably as much not not involved not not involving me. But it was a nasty night. England got <laughs> knocked out, and th- that was that was the end of my World Cup dream. So, to, um, yeah, my 21st birthday. But I'm going somewhere different. Uh, bad memories in Bordeaux. I'm going to go to to Leon. Uh, Leon against Mets because it's huge for Leon. Peter Boss desperately needs a victory, and the main reason is because you're you're right next to the ski slopes. So as soon as that one is over, um, I will hop on uh, a bus. I'll be up to Bourg, Bourg- Saint Maurice and then i'll go and join my family who are going to be on the on the ski slopes and you know within an hour you're 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 on the slopes so you know what what better way to spend christmas that's what i'll be doing um but um thank you very much andy and uh and tom particularly uh for those uh those last comments about um tourism in france and and nice and bordeaux great great to get that input from you thank you for joining us thank you so much to the listeners for, for tuning in that's all uh, for this week from me Matt Spiro from the guys at Le Bourgeois we'll be back again next week all the very best see you soon
1: Bye-bye. bye bye oh, bye my word what a goal got a lovely finish oh yes delivery gets Duzi's header and the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta it's playing again a goal back. Messi again this time
0: maybe Messi's done it